My name is Brandon Wade, but you can call me Mr. Brandon Wade. You can call me B2. You can call me B squared. You can call me B Wade. But I got two rules for you if you're going to call me anything. Speak life and keep it real. If you do that, you're good in my book. Welcome to Pay It Forward. Whether this is a short episode or a long episode, I give you the greatest commodity that I have. Myself, who I am, who I'm learning to be, and who I've been. I give you my experiences. I give you my heart. I give you the parts of myself that even I don't necessarily want people to know. So if you're going to show up here, my only request to you is this. If you're blessed by anything that you hear from me, pay it forward to somebody else and speak life into the people that you're around. So let's check out what the show's about today. Ain't no clouds gonna make it rain. I made a promise to myself today, actually, that... I was going to put more effort into giving the gift that God has given me to the world. Um, So I ended up having a talk with a mentor that I have lives in Florida. And we talk every two weeks or so Um, just depends on their schedules or whatever. Um, I just wanted more mentor figures in my life that were, you know, stable and could teach me things and give me perspective on things that I don't know. I'm a big believer in that. Um, I'm a big believer that nobody is too good to learn and that whether it comes from someone older or younger, that, you know, you should never really stop yourself from learning things. And so I I knew that as I was going to this next stage in my life, I was going to want to have people that could speak to the person that I was becoming as well as the person that I am right now. You know, that's the thing about having people in your past and all that is they can't all, they can't always speak to who you are and who you're going to be. They can only speak to what they know. So I have more than one mentor figure in my life. Um, I've mentioned one who's more of a, we don't talk all the time, but uh, Brian Reeves of Brian Reeves Insight. He's a you know public feature, fe- uh, public figure. He's a relationship coach and stuff. He has a book, um, has a couple books, but um, he has one book that's called Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, and it's about um, his journeys in relationships and um, consistently choosing the woman that he married. Um, you know, and just talking about his experiences and being accountable as a man and growing and stuff like that, and. I also have, you know, the mentor that I talked to uh, today. Yeah, I talked to today. And then I have a therapist. And so I have a couple of different figures that um, I talk to as well as, you know, I have a spiritual community I've talked about before. Um, and he was talking to me about my issues with talent. So my issues with talent um, come from years that I've had, like, I, I've always been a talented kid, like, since birth, like, as long as I can remember, I've had talents of different kinds. Um, my first talent I think I discovered was that I could act, and so I was in plays as a kid and stuff like that, and um, then I discovered that, you know, I was smarter than the average kid, and so I got moved up in, in, in like, studying stuff. I got, I ended up in the magnet program, at my school, by by like six years old, I was like already doing this. I was talented with electronics even as a kid. I can remember even even all the way back to preschool where I was like four years old. I, I remember I was a kid and I made my I made this computer. It was an old computer. So 
it was like it was a very old computer, but I made it print out Christmas trees and I was supposed to get in trouble for it, but they didn't get me in trouble for it. And I ended up just like having the Christmas trees as like a picture, but like I can make computers and, and electronics kind of do whatever I wanted them to do, even as a kid. So I've always had talents as a kid. Um, I was always recognized as like, you know, being like really smart or really, you know, having these gifts and stuff. Right. But I also came from a household like my dad, you know, he came from the hood. And so my dad was like, you know, hustler, you know, he was smart himself, but he was self-taught, you know, hustler, you know, kind of like, you know, you know, learning, you know, streetwise or some would say street smart, you know, so his whole thing was he came from, you know, a survival mode. You know, I used to always call him um, MacGyver at his job because a man could put together anything, you know, if if there was a shortage of something, he always had the answer to whatever it was that they had the, the, the issues with. And so he learned from an early age how to survive. And me growing into the household that I was in, you know, we, my dad more or less wanted me to be everything that he wasn't. And that's a good sentiment that, you know, a parent can have. Um, the issues that came up were mostly because as much as I know my dad loved me, he couldn't really recognize me very much for who I actually was and who I was becoming, he was more interested in making sure that wherever I was going, I wasn't going to go the way that he did. Because, you know, he had a certain time he'd been to jail. He was a thief. You know, he stole things and stuff like that. And he didn't want me to go down that path. You know, eventually he stopped living that lifestyle, but he wanted me to go down a very specific path. And so he did what he could to set me up in that. And I did thrive in a lot of ways. So I, I just was talented as a kid. I didn't really know what to do with all of it, but I was very talented. Thing was, is that I was also really socially awkward too. Meaning that I, I, I really wanted to understand people. I really wanted to connect with people. I didn't want to be left out, but I was also a skinny kid. And then I was also really awkward too. So I got bullied a lot. I got bullied a lot throughout most of my school years. I did not have, you know, I, I, I was the kid who, no matter how much I tried to be funny or witty or connect with people, I was always either off target. I would say stuff either too late. I, I didn't have a sense of any kind of comedic timing or anything like that. And I always got made fun of for it, like immediately. I was like always dogged around the school um, just for not being you know, funny. And then I also dealt with my own share of different other things. But the point was, is it was around talent. The only thing, the thing that made it really weird for me with talent was that I would either go from being like, I always felt like I'd go from being like really disliked by people to almost treated with like reverence once they realized I had like a talent. And I was like, okay, so which one is, which one is better being hated by people because they can't connect with you or being reverenced by people because they feel like you're something they can never be. And honestly, I couldn't figure out which one was better or worse because being reverenced by people means they don't see you anyway, because it's like, bet you talented, you know, a bunch of stuff. Obviously you're a better human being than I am. And then that's fake because at the end of the day, when they find out you're not, then they're like, I hate you for being for not being perfect. And then if you're not, they're like, so you're a worse human being than me. So I don't have to treat you with the value and respect that you deserve as a human being. So then you just get dogged that way, too. And I was like, well, which one do I get to pick from? So then on top of that, I had the pressure of my dad, who 
was like, you have the ability to be so many things that I can never be. So I'm going to alternate between pushing you to be that and criticizing you when you are not that. So my dad was in a lot of ways, as much as I love him, was concerned about making a him number two rather than a me number one. So I would allow myself to be talented in order to get temporary affection from my dad and, you know, from, from him. And it never really panned out. Like, so when I say I was talented, I want to bring some clarity into this. You know, you could sound like, Oh, you just saying that. Well, no, um, from, from 10 years old, I was an actor. My first commercial was a Pepsi commercial. Um, I was almost a uh, young Simba in the Lion King. The only reason that didn't happen was because I cried on my face and begged God to not make me, to not make me young Simba because I hated young Simba for this reason. Um, my worst fear at the time as a kid was that my dad would die in front of me. That was like my worst fear. Um, I was terrified of that. And when I watched the Lion King for the first time as a kid, that movie traumatized me because that was literally what happened to Simba was Mufasa died in front of him. And when they wanted me to, when they they picked me for the audition, um, I remember going there and I was like, I'm going to deliberately do as terribly as possible. So they will hate me. And the opposite happened. I remember doing that. And this woman who was a casting agent, she was like, I really think we have our young Simba here. And she, they were obsessed with pigging me. Like, I mean, like it was like, no matter what I did, no matter how hard and like I would deliberately do things wrong and they would like deliberately try to to push me forward in being young Simba and I remember you know we remember there was a time we'd gotten into a car accident I remember talking to my mom was talking to a chiropractor and I was like I don't and, and my, my mom was like he has a dilemma he doesn't want to be in the Lion King and I was like and then my chiropractor was like, I don't see what the dilemma is. You're going to be famous. And I was like, I don't want to be famous. I just want to be loved. That was the words I wish I could have said when I was 10. I know I said something like that. At 32, I can understand that. But at 10, I couldn't. I just knew that I didn't want to be the Lion King. Also, I realized that as a kid, I was going to literally have to go on stage and relive the very trauma over and over and over and over and over again. And there was no escaping it. I was going to have to sell it too, which meant I was going to have to get in that space over and over and over and over and over again. Could be hundreds of times. I was going to have to rehearse it and I was going to have to perform it on stage. It is the, the, the scene in which Mufasa dies is the linchpin of the whole movie, the whole play. It's the linchpin of every part of the Lion King. The Lion King does not have any substance if Mufasa does not die. And that part is sold by young Simba. I hated it. I couldn't put it into words, but I hated it. And I remember trying to tell my dad, I was like, dad, I don't want to do this because it's going to be like you're dying every day in front of me. And then he's like, well, boy, it don't matter because I'm still going to be there in the audience. So what does it matter? You just get up on stage and do it. 
And I remember my mom was like, yeah, I don't really understand what the issue is. And I'm sitting here like I am a whole child about to relive this over and over and over again. I'm panicked in my mind. I'm terrified. And I remember in that day, I didn't even know anything about God or nothing like that. That was one of the first times I prayed. I said, God, if you have any mercy at all, whoever you are, whatever God you are. That was the first time I was like, look, I don't care. Please don't let them pick me. I beg God to not let them pick me. And right after that, um, September 11th, uh, 2001 happened. So I was 11 when that happened. And then, you know, they, 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 all the flights and everything changed. And my mom decided that because basically they were going to pick me was what was, was, was going to happen. They were going to pick me. And they had pretty much chosen on me. They had three others, but the woman was like, we're basically going to pick you. All we need to know is, will you travel? And my mom was like, no, we won't because uh, 9-11 had just happened. And she was like, I don't feel comfortable having to go around the world because the Lion King is a worldwide play. And so they want us to go around the world and do tours and stuff. And so she was like, no, I won't travel. And so because of that, that was the, the hook that made the woman choose not choose me because that was the one thing that they could not budge on was me traveling. So I didn't get picked. And to this day, I'm still grateful that I didn't get picked. That was not something I was ready to address. And I was not ready to be famous in that way. That's not the only talent that I have. You know, I discovered that, well, I discovered as a kid that I could sing because it one of the requirements of, Lion King is to be able to sing. So I have sung I Just Can't Wait to Be King at least over a hundred times, if not more than that. We used to we had to ride to run through that song over and over and over again. I haven't sung that song in years and I probably could still remember it word for word because we had to do it so many times. Um I also learned that I could dance when we had our first when I had my first commercial, which was a Pepsi commercial. We had to do a bunch of dance routines and stuff, so I learned I could dance. Um, later on in life, uh, I think it was around 16 or 17. One of my friends, uh, who was a rapper told me, yeah, I think you could rap too. And I was just like, nah, I'm not really interested in that. Um, cause I was like, I don't have a rap voice. You know, I've always been on the square side and most of the rappers that I grew up with were hood rappers, gangster rappers, shooters, you know, you know, talking about who they slept with the next Y and Z. And I was like, I don't know anything about that. I don't live that lifestyle. I don't know anything about that. Like, what am I going to rap about? So I didn't want to be a rapper for that reason. Um, I remember trying to do a poetry assignment at school and I failed or I almost failed. And I, and I woke and I went to sleep like crying that day. Cause I just could get it together. And I woke up the next day and rhymes were just swimming in my head. It was like something had just clicked. It didn't make me a rapper, but it gave me the gift to rhyme. Rap was something I had to practice on my own. But I learned how to rap. Um, I I ended up becoming a a journalist and a writer. Uh, the first article I ever wrote for the school that I went to, the junior college I went to, won an award. It won a regional award. I had never written an article before that point, other than practice articles. I learned that I could write journalism, so I, I wrote. I've written a, a journalistic article for a magazine. Um, I've written several. I've written several journalist articles in other places and stuff talents that I've had and they just keep coming you know and I learned that I could be a video editor from the first from the first class I took in video editing I just learned I could be a video editor <sighs> talents have always been a weird feeling for me because 
I've always felt like talents ostracized me and made me separate. And not in the way that other people that the other people say, you know, some people are like, well, you could be famous, you could be rich. And I say, you know, yeah, that's all true and everything. But I've looked at how people have been treated that were famous. I looked at how they did Chris Brown. You know, Chris Brown wasn't nothing but a 16 year old. And they had that man on songs with grown men. And Chris Brown was just trying to 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 be a kid, talented, you know, young, handsome. So he was dancing, you know, just trying to to show out for people. And then before you know it, he ends up and makes one bad decision in one scenario with Rihanna. And people still talk about it to this day. The man 33 and got kids or probably probably not. I think he's older than me. And he said and they still talk about I woke up Chris Breezy. You know, when they talk about hitting hitting people like people still say that today. And that was off of one thing he did when he was a teenager. And I sit there, I said, man, this is how y'all treat people. So I've seen idolatry. I've seen rejection. I've seen all kind of stuff. And the reason I ended up talking about this was because um, I ended up having my, 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 um, my mentor talked to me the last two, two weeks ago. And he said, I want you to do this exercise and I want you to, be aware of any places that you make excuses for things that you need to do with your life that are come from things you experience with your parents. Like, are there any ways that in my mind I won't, I refuse to do certain things simply because I was still angry at my parents or angry at my dad. And it was like Monday or Tuesday. I was thinking about this, 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 um, this girl and one that's been one of the spiritual communities I was in. And I got this feeling. I said, man, I should do, I should, you know, write a verse to this song or whatever. I was like, that'd be crazy. And then I thought about it. I was like, no. I was like, because if I do that, then I'm going to, they're going to want me to rap it everywhere. They're going to want me to always be out there everywhere. And I just, I don't want to do that. And I caught it right then. I said, I don't want to do that because my dad didn't want me to do it. Well, my dad would have wanted me to do it. And so I was still in my mind rebelling against my dad. It's the way that I dealt with my dad when I was a kid. Because I realized that I couldn't make him not treat me badly around being, you know, being going for success. I mean, I'm talking about my dad would cuss me out and I'd have to wipe the tears off my face before I went in to, uh, for an audition. And he'd yell at me after auditions if he felt like I didn't do good enough. And my way of rebelling against him was deliberately not doing things involving talent because I was like, screw you. And I was like, you're going to love me for who I am, even if that means you don't get to receive any talent that I give you. You don't get the excuse to not love me for the person that I am. It's been an experience that has both validated, comforted me and kept me safe to not be talented or not express all of my talents and things like that because of other people. And because of things in which I've experienced is always, it's always kind of kept me safe. 
it's validated me, you know, even in my spiritual community and stuff, you know, people will contact me or hit me up sometimes and be like, hey, can you pray? And, you know, something it's like slipping into a role. You know, I pray for people or I speak life over people and I feel good about myself in that moment. And then when I look to try to make actual connections with these people, it's sometimes all of a sudden I find out I can't because they're not open to me showing them me who them who I actually am. They're open to me being that praying guy, that guy who's always speaking life into people. It's real easy for me to slip into those roles because those roles have always felt safe to me. You know, it's probably a part of me still that's like, I don't know if people would really like me if they fully understood who I actually am as a person. And that came from dealing with my dad because it always felt it, it, it always felt like my dad was not always as interested in who I was as a person and who the son that he had. He wanted a son that he could build. He wanted me to be the, the him that didn't make the mistakes he did, which was a good sentiment. But it. The truth was I was never going to be him. I was going to always be me. And so as much as my dad loved me, I know he didn't really know how to teach me how to be myself. I've seen the downsides and upsides of talent. Upsides being there's a lot of influence. You can point people to the right direction. You can do these things. But downside is people wait on your every word and they treat it like, you are the answer to their problems and you like, bro, all I do is dance. And they're like, yeah, but I felt better because you dance, which means you obviously are a good person. And it's been really hard for me to even connect with what it means to be, to, to, to be talented. And when I talked to my mentor today, I told him about what happened. He said, did you learn anything from this? He said, did you gain anything? Did you gain any understanding about you or anything like that based on what you you talked about? And I said, well, yeah. If I am going to be talented, it's going to be for me and not for somebody else. Because I can't pick and dictate how somebody else is going to act based on what potential and character that I actually have. I can't I can't dictate that, but I can dictate why I do it. And he was like, that's good. He said, you know, he said this one, he's just a gym. I'm a, I'm a drop on everybody in the event that this, this helps. He said, you can take responsibility for the talent that you have. And you can do that by being humble instead of basing your identity on the talent that you have. And I was like, you know what? I think you're really on to something. So I wrote it down. And I said, and he, and he said, well, what goals do you have from doing this? You know, what things are you going to do now that you have a better understanding of why you have avoided being talented? I said, I'm going to challenge myself. And so this is kind of where the root of this pay it forward has come today. Was God's giving me a lot of talents. I've had them since I was a kid and I've had them. They continue to grow and multiply, but the talents don't make me who I am. Someone else's perception of me does not make me who I am. It doesn't make me more of who I am or less than who I am. Someone's perception of me is based on what they understand about themselves and what they have come to understand about me. 
the way I always dealt with rejection before was by altering the perception of other people. But even if I couldn't change, even if I could change their perception of me or change how I look to them, that didn't mean that I was changing who I am. So maybe they weren't rejecting me, but I was rejecting me. So, yeah, I sought out a lot of different things that allowed me to not focus on my own skills and my own talents and things like that, because I flat out just didn't want people to look at that part of myself and be like, this guy needs to be on top of the world because I just was like, I don't want that responsibility. I didn't want the responsibility of being so high up that people were moving and, and dealing with every, in my every word and every instinct. I didn't want to be somebody. And to this day, I still don't want to be somebody's God. I ain't interested in that. And I ain't never been interested in that. And I'm still not interested in it today. And I have a lot to give this world. I have a lot to share with this world. And all my talents mean is that I have different avenues of being able to share it, whether I have 50 avenues or five avenues or one avenue. This is these are all avenues that I have to share what God has given me to give to this world. Because nobody can be me better than me. And of course, we always hear that as a quote. Oh, yeah, you got to just be yourself out here. You know how hard it is to be yourself out here. Half the time, the people that are telling you that don't even know who they are themselves. That ain't nothing new. It is, it, is, it, is, it is a difficult thing to be yourself, especially if what you feel like being yourself is, you feel like does not match up with the environment. And the funny thing is, is most people are pretending anyway. If there's anything I've learned, most people are pretending anyway, which is why it takes guts to go out there and do something and speak life and be vulnerable about things because people do not. Most people are pretending anyway. It's all armor. So in looking at that, I've realized how much I have resented different talents and things I've had because I always felt like they kept me from the things in which I really, really wanted, which was safety and peace and, and, and friendship and companionship, because I was like, I just want to be able to be in a place where I am accepted. And that was the longing that I got when I was a kid, just trying to find my way you know, through elementary school and through middle school and even through most of high school, I always thought that people would accept me if I was funny or people would accept me if I was, you know, you know, you know, one of those ultra, you know, super, we'd be like super good looking. Or I was one of those people who was real buff and real fit. You know, if I was one of those people who had all those things and that's not what causes people to accept you. What causes people to accept you is you being the the most you that you can and continuing to grow. That's what causes people to accept that. They either are going to accept that or reject that, but they're going to do something with it. So talents for me have always been a weird way, which I could, I felt like I could measure and or define myself. So for whoever's listening, you might be somebody who's real talented, real smart. You might even be smarter than the people around you. I've always felt like I was that. And then I've had tests to prove it. You know, when I was in middle school, I was in sixth grade. I took a reading test and they tested me out of, outside of college level. I was 
uh, it was some I was in sixth grade and they that day had tested me. I was able to read and comprehend college level stuff and beyond. And I was sick. I was uh, what? Uh, what? Eleven. So I actually have tests that prove that I was that, you know, where I was, you know, breaking tests and stuff like that, where it was like, why are you this smart? And I was like, I don't know, fam. I ain't the one that made me. And it was always a mix. It had always felt like a mixture between you're too smart and you're too slow. Then discovering, you know, being on the spectrum and all that, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, it was like, well, people say that a lot about people that are on the autistic spectrum. They're like, why are you like this? I'm like, we don't know. I don't know. But I know that this was a lot to do with how I was designed. And for most of my life, I ain't really been all right with that. So when I got off the call with my mentor, he asked me what, you know, he said. You got a lot of stuff to share with the world. And I was like, you're right. And I'm going to share all of it. So part of my experience was that I said I was going to go on and do a pay it forward about talents, about abilities and, and share what I've learned from them and what I've learned from this experience is that whether you are talented, you feel like you are or not, your talents do not define who you are as a person. They are, however, something that you are capable of taking responsibility for. That you can dictate what those things do, what those talents do. You can do whatever you want with the talents you're given. The talents do not dictate who you are. But, but to be responsible with talent is to be humble with talent. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't take credit for things in which you've done, but it does mean that you don't begin to dictate or think that your life is great, that you are better or worse than someone else because you are talented. And if there's anything that all these years of experience has taught me so far is that talents do not dictate the character of a person. You mean the smoothest, most charismatic person don't mean nothing. You can be the, the person you can sing to the point where, 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 where glass breaks and people fall out crying don't mean nothing. You can pray and it can be like Jesus was walking up the street with you. It don't mean nothing. Those talents do not dictate who you are. They don't dictate whether you are a good or bad person per se. And truthfully, I don't believe that there are good or bad people. I believe that there are choices people make. There are people and there are choices. So I want to make sure that I speak life into everybody that has been dealing with areas involving talent. Because talent can be a hard one. Some people that don't have it will be frustrated and jealous of people that may have it. Understandably so. Some people that have it sometimes wish they could let it go. Understandably so. Talent is something beautiful, man. I, I love I love being able to sing and dance and do all that stuff like that. It's fun. I also have felt very weird about the attention that those things have garnered to. Very uncomfortable a lot of times. And a lot of that has come from the fact that I was not really doing it for me, but I was doing it for others. That I was like, I know that after I say this, this person is going to act a certain way. I know that after I do this, this person is likely to act a certain way. 
And the goal is, is that it's not about how the person acts, whether they applaud me or whether they boo me, it's irrelevant. Who did I do it for? And what responsibility am I willing to take over the gifts that God has given me? Because it's like being gifted. You know, if you're gifted something, it's like saying like if you if you have a a, a Rolls Royce or you have a PS5 or something like that, does that make you a better or worse person? It doesn't. It just literally means that you have a gift. You may have something that someone else does not. But it is up to you to choose what it is you do with it. And I'm saying that about myself. It's up to me to choose what I do with it. So these may not even be the very end of the gifts in which I have. God may give me with a lot more things, but to whom much is given, much is expected. So the best way that I can do these things is take responsibility for it. But what my mentor was saying, he said, if you choose not to use your talents, don't choose not to use them because your things that happen with your dad or with your family or other people. He said, you need to make sure that you choose or not choose to do it because you chose to do so. And that changed a lot of my perspective about what I'm supposed to do and what I could do with these talents because I always felt burdened by them. You know, I always felt like it was just like, oh, God, well, now here I've got something else I've got to use. Here's something else I got to be responsible for. And the goal is not for me to be responsible for the ability to use it, but to have the choice to use it and to get to use it. I have a lot of things. God's given me a lot. I plan on using each and every bit of what God has given me. And whether you believe in God or not, the point is, is that you know that you were and have access to different things. Those things involve talent. And those things will involve abilities. Some people have talents in different areas. Some people have talents in a lot of areas. Some people have talents in a few areas. It's irrelevant how many talents you have. It's only relevant what we choose to do with them. But if there's anything else I can tell you and pass this along, it's this one. Ain't no talent in the world like authenticity. Ain't no talent in the world like being real and being the actual person that you are and striving to be more of that person every single day. I'm a believer, man, that the world don't need more good people. Good people real easy to put on pedestals. They don't need no more bad people either. Bad people can do great and terrible things. So can good people. The world needs more real people. The issue that people have been having in this world ain't that there's bad and good people. It's that you can't always tell the difference because they're not real people. You think that person's smiling in your face till they pull a gun out on you. Or you think that person's the most mean, muggy, evil person you're going to meet until they give you a hug and hand you $1,000. So you can't, you can't pick and choose who somebody going to be based on how they look on the surface. Even the Bible talk about that. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God judges the heart. Outward appearance is talent too. You feel me? So... I'm just trying to let y'all know that real is going to go farther than good or bad any day of the week. You know, it's funny as many times as I do pay it forwards. When I do these, I don't typically listen to them again. You know, I edit them a little bit. I fire and forget. And sometimes I have people, sometimes they might hit me in my DMS on Instagram or something like that. Talk about, man, I really heard your episode or I heard this and that. And I'm like, you listen to my episode. That's crazy. I said, yeah, when you said this, I'm like, really? All right, man. You know, and I'm glad that it blesses people, but pay it forward is something that ultimately I do for myself. I do because this is a place I can express myself. This is a place I can speak life. This is a place I can be as real as I can come. And it's a place I know I don't have to be ashamed of what I talk about. 
So I do this for me. And I believe the same thing as what I can account for with my talents is like, who am I doing this for? So if you see me out there being talented or successful and or famous or whatever, I'm no, I, I can't say that I'm doing it for other people because it seems like it's selfless, but it really is selfish. Because if I'm doing it for other people, then other people can dictate what and how I do with it. But if I'm doing it for myself or I'm doing it for God, then only God or myself can dictate what goes along with it. And I, regardless of what happens, don't have to choose to allow that to define my identity. A talent or a lack of or talent or or gift or lack of does not define my identity. And that's the best lesson that I think that I've learned out of everything that I've heard so far. So it's just for the the sake of keeping it real, you know, for the sake of making sure that that no matter what someone, whoever might be listening, may be doing this and may have felt that way about their own life. Like maybe you sat around and be like, I know I got a gift. I know I got an ability. I know there's some stuff that God want me to do. And I don't know how other people are going to accept it. So I'd rather not do it. I get it. I'm telling you right now, I get it. I've spent my whole life like that. And I've always been afraid that if I step too far into my talents, that I'd become the very thing that I feared that I'd become self-centered and and arrogant and just because I know that that capacity is there. You know, I saw so much of it out of my own, you know, my own dad. I saw so much of it where it was kind of like, screw you and screw everybody. I do whatever I feel like doing. And I've always been terrified I'd become that kind of person. But you know what I've learned lately, too? And you know what I've learned lately, too? That's a better way to say it. Every fear that we have is not always an authentic one. And let me explain what authentic fears are. An authentic fear is something that you are presently dealing with right at that moment. So like if you're jumping out the way of a moving car or you're dealing with something right then, that's an authentic fear because that's something you need to be afraid of right now. An inauthentic fear is not an unfounded fear. An unfounded fear is a fear that doesn't have any basis in truth. Most fears are are founded fears, but they're inauthentic fears, which means that they are experiences that you have had that contribute to why you feel this fear, but they're not current experiences that are happening right now. Like if you've been in a bad relationship and then you enter in another relationship with someone that's completely different, an inauthentic fear would be that the person that's different is going to do to you what the person that you were with before is going to do. Well, that's inauthentic because that's not the same person, nor is it the same experience, nor are you the same person. It is not unfounded, though, because you did experience something that caused you to feel that fear. So the fear I feel about being like my dad and things like that or making the decisions my dad made is inauthentic because I'm not my dad. He is in me. I love him. He's the person that he will always be. I've learned many things from him and I have all those lessons to draw upon. And he also is not me and I'm also not him. So my choices are still my own. And I can always make choices that are different. So this is one of them. Doing this pay it forward today is one of them. It wasn't something that I had planned, but after I talked to my mentor, I said, I need to do this for myself. 
for my own commitment and for my word that I promised that I would share with my world, with the world. So it's the same thing that the Bible even says, let your gifts shine among you, let your light shine among men. So that's just my own personal philosophy, my own personal belief set. And I really hope that it blesses y'all and speaks life into y'all. You feel me? Um, I got a lot to share with the world. It's not always going to be words. Sometimes it's going to be dance. Sometimes it's going to be rap, singing, whatever it is. I don't know what all of it is going to be, but you're going to see more of it. Because I'm not going to stand before God one day and God be like, I gave you 100 things and you only use one of them. Nah, not me. With grace and ease, I'm going to use all of them. So I love y'all, man. I pray everybody that's listening under the sound of my voice, man. May y'all be encouraged to know that not only your, your the gifts and things that God has given you, are meant to be used, but that you have a lot to share with this world and don't deprive the world of what it is you have. My prayer is that, that you won't deprive the world of what it is that you have to give and that you will speak life and not death. Those are my prayers in my life for you. In Jesus name. Amen. I love y'all, man. Um, thanks for always being there and listening to me. You know, I'm paying it forward one more good time. You know, this is going to be the start of a cycle of pay it forwards. Um, we're going to get back into guest segments. I know I've been I've been speaking on that for a while. Um, there's just been a couple of logistic things that I've been been working on in regards to phone calls and phone things. And as soon as I get that set up, you're going to see a whole lot more of them. So I will be giving updates on my Instagram page. You guys will get a chance to see them and what they are. So stay tuned for the things that are coming, man. I appreciate y'all, man. I really hope y'all have a fantastic day. I hope that this word speaks life into y'all and y'all can go take it wherever it is y'all need to be. And it's just like I told y'all in the beginning, y'all y'all good with me if y'all do these two things. Speak life and keep it real. So make sure you do that, all right? Stay, stay safe out here in these streets, man. And I love y'all. And as I say, peace and shalom. Can I get a high?